0: Hey, this is Matthew Lilly. Welcome to the Presence Pioneers podcast. All right, welcome everyone to today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today we have special guest Chris Burns with us. Chris has been seeing an amazing revival happen in a bar in New Orleans, and he's going to share some of the amazing things God's doing. You may know Chris as a worship leader, songwriter, and a preacher, and it is such an honor to have him with us today. Uh, Look, if you're new to the Presence Pioneers podcast, welcome. It's so good to have you. We uh, want to help you host and experience the presence of God. We believe God's presence changes everything, and so we provide little short Bible teachings on this podcast as well as extended Interviews and conversations like today to try to help you and encourage you. So please subscribe to stay in touch with us, however, you're tuning in today. You can also visit our website at presencepioneers.org. You can visit all of our previous episodes up there, get the show notes. You can make a donation to our ministry and learn more at presencepioneers.org. All right, Chris, welcome to the podcast
1: today. So excited to be with you, man, be with you guys. It's an honor.
0: Yeah, it's an honor to have you. Well, look, I'm going to read your bio real quick here. Chris is a worship leader, revivalist, preacher, and has traveled extensively throughout the U.S., Asia, Europe, and the Middle East with songs, worship, and preaching. You've got seven worship albums. You authored a book called The Pioneers of His Presence, so it's great to have you on the Presence Pioneers podcast. Uh, you founded the Sound Movement, which has hosted nationwide Jesus festivals, worship schools, music intensive, and uh, more recently, you've seen an amazing move of God down in Bourbon Street in New Orleans, which I believe is where you're living now or about to live. Is that right?
1: Yeah, we're here now. We've been here it's for amazing. a month and a half, so we're yeah. we are New Orleans native now. All right, that's awesome. Well,
0: look before we dive in, man. You are getting over COVID nineteen.
1: I am. And that's crazy. It, How are you feeling? It really kicked my butt man um <clears throat> my family was perfectly fine so i joke with my wife you know much like christ took the affliction upon himself for the betterment <laughs> of all others that's my christ like character has been shining through not one of my kids has been sick uh my wife's been that's perfectly good. fine and then here i am 2 weeks of just being smashed by this thing so i'm finally coming around it it's definitely been a journey, but hey, once you've beat it, it's like you know. Now I'm invincible. I kind of feel right. invincible now. I, I can, I can. You can cough in my face. You can <laughs> sneeze. I'm not scared of airplanes. I never really was scared, to be honest. But sure. yeah, it, it hit me harder than I, I honestly <laughs> thought it would. Man, it's it's yeah. it's been pretty brutal.
0: Wow, I'm glad you're feeling better. Glad you made it through. I beat Look, it, man. Uh, I beat the Rona. I'm good to go. All right. Um, some people may know you some people may not so for those that don't know you maybe just give us a little snapshot of your journey uh, how did you get you know involved in ministry and what are some of the things you've been doing yeah um well
1: wasn't raised in church I have no childhood church background. I would say that I was in a traveling touring act band for the better part of from sixteen to probably twenty one. We, you know, signed to major label, doing the whole thing. I got radically saved at 19 years old, and uh, knew nothing about church, knew nothing about anything, and um, was discipled in a very charismatic revival-oriented culture from the get-go. Morning Star Ministries, if you're aware, I mean that was definitely yep. a, you know, my 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 roots. So didn't know a lot about anything. Began to lead worship three weeks into being saved and guaranteed still had THC in my system at that point, maybe other various uh, illegal substances. But I was leading worship, began to do a spontaneous freestyle worship, as we called it uh, at 20 years old and would worship with a small company of people for four hours at a time. Had no idea what prophetic worship was, but we were doing it just singing the scriptures, didn't know about IHOP, didn't know anything at the time. Revival broke out at a small Southern Ohio town where we were. It eventually ended up really transforming the city we lived in even till today. And uh, it was a move of God that really lasted for a, a better part of four to five years and then multiplied this whole Tabernacle of David thing in our heart. We got language. We connected with others who were doing the same things and watched dozens and dozens of who are now full-time artists, worship leaders all over the world from that little place. And so, you know, since then, we've lived in San Francisco, pioneering a, a work there. Of course, you know, we've lived in Nashville. We're now in New Orleans. And really, it feels like everything in our ministry and life has been centered around Tabernacle of David, the priesthood you know the worship movement as it were and it's uh that's been the the core i think engine of our personal life our family but obviously our ministry even the revival that's happened for the last year and a half in New Orleans on Bourbon Street in the bar it really all goes back to tabernacle of david it goes back to hosting presence because that's really all we're doing we're just we're just hosting his presence and so That's the long and short of it up until where we are.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. So what is happening on Bourbon Street? Give us a picture of what is going on there. And how did this whole whole thing get going?
1: Well, I think it has to start, I have to start that and preface it with um, our journey to San Francisco, man, because the truth is, is that, you know, in 2015, the Lord, really 2014, the Lord began to speak to us about this language about a Jesus movement, you know, and I would say that my language is I'm in a period of changing even some of the ways I speak and use language regarding revival, outpouring, awakening, all that. It's it's maturing or, or gaining clarity. And if you'll sow your song, you'll reap a sound. And the idea was based off of 1 Samuel chapter 10, which was really Prophet musicians on the hill. I mean, the Lord, we'd spoke from that. I've written a book, as you mentioned, really big onto that. Um, But the Lord said it's time to live that scripture. So we go out there, we shut down a lot of our itinerant ministry and really just focused on being prophets on Hippie Hill with music if you're not familiar with the scripture, you know, of course, I'm sure you guys have covered this at some point. This is like foundational stuff here. But 1 Samuel 10 is the prophet musicians on the hill of God, where the Philistine enemy stronghold was. God was sending prophetic music to a place that David would later take and, and set up, you know, sacrificial worship there. And so that was a big thing for us. We did the the word of the Lord for years where we're outdoors sowing the song, taking worship outside of the four walls and um you know did this this na- nationwide gathering there. Saw hundreds of people saved, healed, delivered the whole thing, but to be honest with you, really felt like I didn't see what the Lord had promised me. I really left very broken as a matter of fact. I, th- I thought my obedience would take me into a place of glory, you know, glory to glory. But actually, my obedience in San Francisco took me straight into the wilderness, mm. one-way ticket into the wilderness. And so from that place, I went through a journey of two years of just breaking down God, we did what you said, but where's the move of God? Where's the thing I saw in my heart? I'm not singing it, and I'm thankful for what you're doing, but where is this thing? You promised me a national Jesus people-type awakening from this, and man, I got broken and uh, really was at the point of even cynicism regarding things like revival, if you want me to be really honest. I was not in a place of faith. And then all of a sudden, this this call comes from New Orleans, right about the time we're stepping out of this two-year wilderness season, feeling very, very broken and discouraged. Wasn't looking for revival. Matter of fact, was so cynical towards even the idea of outpouring in revival that I kind of was even wondering, do I change my theology? Especially with all the deconstruction language out there, right? And and, and, in today's world— and in a lot of our streams, I, even myself, I'm going, do I actually believe in this anymore? And then in that same time, we got a call to New Orleans in 2019, the beginning of the year. And they said, This bar owner in Bur- on Bourbon Street, who has the third most popular bar on Bourbon Street, got saved. And Jesus told him to host worship in his church or in his bar. Would you want to come? Because God told us, spoke to us, that you're the person to kick it off. And I wow. said, sure. Why not? Because at the time I um, was still traveling some, but really I was at the point where I was like, I'm ready to honestly, maybe just, maybe I'm done with ministry. Maybe I, I'm i just going to be real transparent. I, this is well documented, yeah. uh, but I was just in a place, man. I don't know if you've ever felt that where you're just like, are we supposed to be doing this or is the gig up now? You know what I mean? Is, oh, is yeah. the jig up? Like, do I need to apply to FedEx? Like, when does this thing—maybe <laughs> uh, we're done here. You know, I'll yeah. love you, Jesus, but I don't know if, if we're on the right track. But, dude, we, we got called to go into that place, and something happened, man, in that bar. It was like everything I'd sewn that was underground and I couldn't see in a moment sprang up. And I, I truly saw a promise fulfilled you know the Bible says the hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a but a yeah. a promise fulfilled is a tree of life. So here I am, and we go, and we're looking at each other after the first gathering on Bourbon Street, going, "Wait, this is different." We're yeah. in glorious meetings all the time. We have awesome meetings where God breaks in, and we go, "Wow, that was amazing." Then there's this. So we go back a few weeks later. And I tell you the truth, I saw men and women who have never been to church in their life fall on the ground and shake in the presence of God in that bar room as if they were, you know, had been in charismatic church for 40 years. I watched myself. I go into a a visitation of the Lord that, quite frankly, I I don't even think I can share even a year and a half later. It it was a very intimate encounter. And um, I actually was taken out of my body Um, you got to remember, this is from Mr. Cynical himself, right? Yeah, I'm laying on a barroom floor for for hours. All my strings broke. No music's happening. The whole bar is groaning in intercession, and the weight of the glory of God is so strong in the barroom that no one that walks in stays standing up. So a hundred people laid out on a barroom floor that, by the way, for 80 years was a brothel. So we're in this place, and God says, this is the thing I've promised you. It's here. It's here. This is the move I've promised you, and I'm taking over. I'm sowing revival into this, this city like Levin, and it starts here, right in the French Quarter, right in one of the darkest places you've ever been. I mean, bro, strip clubs right there, naked people. Walking down the street, debauchery of every sort, witchcraft, voodoo right in your face, not behind closed doors, witches, warlocks, you name it. I've got a lot of stories from the last year and a half. But all that to be said, here we are in the middle of this move of God, and it just increased, increased, increased. And so all that to be said, man, I have testimonies for days salvation. We've baptized people. I'll never forget looking out over the crowd one one of the revival nights. And we have people hanging out the windows. We have people coming. Usually we have about 15 to 20 different states represented. But a lot of times we have, we had a crew one time drive from Virginia, like 14 hours. They couldn't get into the to the room because the room was so packed. And I mean, look, you're a preacher, bro. You, you know ministry. Like we love to exaggerate. We are sure. like, we. That's the biggest like white <laughs> lie in ministry is like the gift of exaggeration as preachers. You know, we we love to do it. But let me tell you something. For the first time in my life, I feel like there's really no need to exaggerate what God's doing because He's actually doing it. Yeah. So all that to be said, man. I've been incredibly overwhelmed. My heart has been refreshed. I think the first few months after the revival first broke out, I, I wept every morning, just weepy and tender and soft. And um, mm. the Lord's renewed my my heart. And I remember looking out over the crowd one day as people are hanging out the windows, you can't get in. And I wept because I knew the Lord said, this is the thing that that I gave. This is the thing that that you've been waiting on. And so, dude, we've baptized people on the street for the first time in the history of New Orleans. It's never been done on Bourbon Street. We literally have crowds of people, hundreds gathering around a bar, watching us baptize people who have been saved that night. It's the presence of God, bro. It's, it's not Mm. good. Preaching in fact, I've tried to preach in these meetings and it never works. It goes over like a lead balloon. We, we just host God, we worship, and that's it. I, I never have a song list. I hate it. It's miserable, bro. Like, you know, prepare well so that you can flow. We've written books about it. Prepare well so that you can be spontaneous. Yeah, 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 I get it all. Guess what? It doesn't work here. I'm a nervous wreck every time before we meet because I'm aware of my own need for the Lord to come and show up. And and secondarily, understanding that my gifting literally cannot steward this. Only my surrender can. Only Mm -hmm. my intuitive obedience to every moment of leading in this move of God. It's the only thing that will work, my surrender. So... I would just say, man, my whole theology's been shifted on it. I don't wow. believe this is a visitation of the Lord for uh some good meetings, just get a few people saved and get some cool testimonies and then get back to business as usual. I I think that actually this is a this is a wineskin and a wine that is, is really declaring I'm here to habitate and transform this entire city. And and to speak out what's possible really in the whole in the whole world. So just to bring you up to speed where we are now in the move of God, it was prophesied to us at the beginning of the year that we would own the bar. Now keep in mind there's never been a church on Bourbon Street. Furthermore, there's definitely never been a move of God like this on Bourbon Street. So we said, okay, then do it, Lord. And um actually, funny, Kevin Prosh was the first one to prophesy this out of nowhere. Huh. He would hate me if I was, he knew I was telling everyone this, but he's, he doesn't have social media or anything. Anyway, he prophesied yeah. the address of saints and sinners bar where we're at to us and said, God told him he's given us a key. We are now in the process of owning the bar on Bourbon Street. It will literally be a full-time revival center, house of prayer, missions, sending. We feed the poor and the homeless every single week. So our umbrella of this revival is multifaceted, but the core of it all is hosting the presence of God as a priesthood and showing forth the face of the Lord to those who don't know Him. Man, this to me is Acts 16. It's Song of Solomon 5. What's your God more than any other God? And we sing the song of his beauty and people come to see his face and then follow him. I've I've preached for so many years, Matt, man, about like God's going to use worship to bring in a harvest. God's going to use worship. And a lot of it was philosophy. It was theology that I hadn't seen. Mm. I'm seeing it. I'm watching people, I'm watching a harvest be reaped simply from the song of the Lord coming forth in a place.
0: That's incredible. (laughs) I love it, man. So amazing. I mean, so you're literally just setting up in a bar, you're doing worship. How are people hearing about it? Are people wandering in off the streets? Are, Are people being invited?
1: Yeah, I think the church is hearing about it from natural ways, from from sure. from uh, you know social media, such word of mouth. Right. I can't tell you, you know, there's two types of people I've seen Christians first of all that are coming. The sure. two types of Christians and believers that come, and they do travel from. Really, we've had people from different countries at this point. I think some people wow. it's an anomaly, it or it's a it's gimmicky, you know, like oh you're doing yeah. worship revival in a bar, like this is new. Yeah, the two types of people that come. I would say the majority are people who are just hungry and they they hear about it and they go, I've got to see what this is all about. They come to experience, but also they get caught up in, there's such a gift of hunger, bro. Like as a worship leader, you know, the idea of like when you step into a place and you do worship and you feel like you're plowing, you know, you're like, dang, that was a plow. Okay. And 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 then there's other times where you're encouraging people and you're leading them. And sometimes it's easy. This is to the 10th degree. Leading here is the 10th degree of easy because it is the easiest place to lead ever. And as a matter of fact, into 2021, we're going to have a lot of people come and lead. Maybe you'll be one of those. But I know that, sure. that uh, there's another small group of Christians that come to to kind of observe, and they're like, hey, I've been to Brownsville. I've been to Toronto. I was at this revival. Let's see what you got. And these people, while they, they admit, man, this is a move of God, it, it, it almost takes a shift of their paradigm to see what has happened. It's, it's almost surreal because you're in this bar And people are coming in with their drinks and they're coming in wearing scantily clad clothing. And you're like, what is going on? But the glory is so strong. It's like this, it's almost like this paradigm thing that just gets (laughs) smashed. As far as people coming in that are unbelievers, listen, they're not following me on social media. There's homeless people coming in, getting saved. We've actually started a homeless church just from this move of God that happens on Tuesdays where we feed them and hundreds of homeless come and the guys who are being impacted at Bourbon Street Revival are now preaching the gospel to to their other homeless people. But also the majority of people getting saved, bro, are people that are literally coming into the bar because they think it's the best party on Bourbon Street. And I kid you not, bro, like all these other, I'm just going to be real. God bless them. Yeah. But most of the other musicians and bands on Bourbon Street, it's like, it's the same old thing. They're cover bands. It's, it's pretty lame. But when right. they come into our bar and Jesus is there, they don't realize at first. They think it's a party because people are going nuts. They're jumping. It's crazy. The, the, we're the most yeah. packed place. They come in with their beer. I can't tell you how many times I've seen them. with their. They come in with their alcohol. They're hanging out. And then they realize, oh, my gosh. This is a Jesus thing. And they almost every time are on their knees, weeping, crying, Jesus is real. Oh my God. They're giving their lives mm-hmm. to God instantly. We're not, we're doing the Acts 16 model, which is do worship in the prison and they come to the place of worship like the jailer and say, What must I do to be saved? This is our model of evangelism it's worship, yep. minister to the Lord. They hear the worship and come and say, What must I do to follow this God? This is the new model, man, that I think could really be a whole new day, an age of a harvest that comes from the foolishness of worship. You know, Um, it's like they hear the gospel in a whole new way, they experience it. So they're just coming in off the bar. And I, I mean, this might offend a lot of people, but. If we own the bar, unless the Lord really speaks otherwise, we might change some of the ways we do things, but we're not going to turn it into a church. It's already a church. It's just one Mm. that sinners come to. The truth is, if we turn the bar once we own it into a church, I fear no one's coming in anymore. Again, we're going to feel the Lord out on that, and this isn't a hard and fast thing, but I'm really feeling like Jesus is saying, you know, I'm comfortable, Chris, in a bar. I'm I'm mm. quite okay with this guy coming in to drink booze. I'm I'm okay with that for now. But when I touch his life, I get to change him, and so I, I'm I'm really yeah. leaning that way. I know a lot of the listeners might say, "You sin and devil you," you know. But how many people <laughs> got saved at your church last week? You know, that's what I want to say because sure. I saw thirty people yeah. who aren't going to church who literally were weeping in the presence of God and got touched by Jesus and are now going to church. So I just want to ask, like, are we willing to labor with the scandalous one himself, who they called a winebibber and a glutton and a friend of sinners? Guys, he's hanging out in a bar on Bourbon Street. Mm-hmm. And to be clear, bro, we're not engaging in, you know, we're not, this isn't like super <laughs> seeker-sensitive, relevant church where we're having a brew with the guy that come in and a Bible study. No, that's not right. what we're doing. We're doing wild, extravagant, radical, prophetic worship, and people's lives are being changed. So,
0: yeah, that's amazing. That's that's so awesome. What What's going on, man? Praise God. I wonder, you mentioned a new model, and I, that was kind of going to be a question I was going to ask is, What do you feel like God is saying through this in terms of maybe ways that we can approach worship and prayer moving forward? Because I'm seeing increasing number of expressions of public worship and prayer, especially worship, you know, not necessarily hardcore spiritual warfare intercession, but worshiping Jesus, inviting his presence in public places. I know you've been doing it for years you know, the Awaken the Dawn movement's doing tent gatherings. Sean's there's, out there right now doing there. stuff. Yeah, Sean, Sean's out doing public worship right now. So there's stuff all over. I feel like it's almost like a wave of something God's trying to release. Do you feel that too? It has to be. Hey guys, this is Matthew. We'll get back to the episode in just a moment. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider joining Presence Pioneers Premium our brand new subscriber community. Paid subscribers will get exclusive premium content, such as bonus podcast episodes, exclusive articles, early releases, and more. Presence Pioneers will be releasing its first e-course in 2024, with many more to come. And the Presence Pioneers premium subscribers will always have full access to the entire library of online courses. Visit media.presencepioneers.org or click the link in the description to join today. You can become a premium member today for an introductory price of only $5 a month. When the price goes up in the future, as our library of resources grows, you can stay subscribed at the original price. If you've enjoyed our podcast for a while, Becoming a premium member is a simple way for you to help us cover the cost of producing this podcast and partner with Presence Pioneers in equipping the church with resources for day and night prayer, prophetic worship, missions, and revival. Visit media.presencepioneers.org to sign up today. It is something God's wanting to do way beyond Bourbon
1: Street. It has to be. Dude, it has to be. Like, look, here's the bottom line. Like, it's a declaration from heaven that worship is, listen, when we did the sound in San Francisco, one of my biggest desires was just giving language and also modeling, getting worship out of the four walls. Now that does Mm. not negate Gathering together as believers, this is the thing. Of course, it's not one thing, and it's it's not just one model, as you know. It's not just one name, right. and it's not just one ministry. It's it's a declaration from heaven of a whole new thing, and you can join in if you want. I think, I think that um, many people will probably be offended by a lot of the things the Lord does in these days because they're it doesn't fit their old paradigm of revival or how God moves, and and that's okay, but. Yeah, it's, it's so much bigger. Again, back in San Francisco, it was something has to be born outside of the model. It's like Jesus is born in a manger, in a barn, in a dirty place, because it's almost as if when God birthed his new, fresh things, they don't seem to always fit inside of that old structure we have. Furthermore, if you think of the Jesus movement and how it pushed forward worship and music and, and, and that whole deal, dude, like, it was not born inside the church. And I just wonder how much now, you know, the word, the James Ryle Sons of Thunder word, I think that's coming forth. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we're Come seeing. On. You know, um, I think it's amazing because when we gathered people in San Francisco, even outdoors, you know, I think we might have had like maybe like a thousand people when we did the sound on Hippie Hill, maybe give or take. And when we did that, the, the the fruit was just overwhelming. But it seems like since that seed of that time, it's like you, you, like you said, I mean, look, Awaken the Dawn's doing it. We see Sean now with this massive force of outdoor worship. There's little yeah. nuances that are different in different places. But the truth sure. of it all, to me, speaks that it's happening everywhere. People are taking the presence of God in worship outside of that normal thing. And I think it's going to birth something, bro, that actually is a whole new, I don't think it's a sound just for the church, man. I think it's a sound for the harvest. Like people are going to be, it's not the songs we're singing. Even it's the, it's the sound of our lives coming through the songs. It's the presence of God on the worship that's calling people in and, yeah this is a this is a moment. This is absolutely yeah. a moment for worship to be expressed outside and it is a whole new model. And I remember yeah. hearing um just to close that up I remember hearing um years ago at a big conference I actually uh, organized this this burn one of the best burn moments of my life. We did the uh, mm. Chicago Um, the stadium there. I don't know if you remember this. Jesus Culture did up their first conference at this, at the giant, one of the giant stadiums in Chicago. I forget the name of it. Right. I remember that. And they did a conference, but they had asked the burn to come do a prayer room in one of the big rooms of the, the arena. And it was like, just to be honest, it was the coolest thing about it. Sorry, Jesus Cult. Love you. Love all the great speakers. But if, if anyone was there and remembers, there was a glory on that burn prayer room, dude, that you—and Perigo was there. I remember a lot of the old school burn guys. You would walk into that room and almost fall over in the glory. People didn't even want to go back to wow. the main conference because of that. And I think—I remember hearing a m- amazing man of God who's no longer with us, but who deserves the utmost respect and, and reverence and honor. He said, and this guy, by the way, has led so many people to the Lord that like, you know, it isn't even, you can't even shake a stick at it. This guy says, we don't need worship when we go after the harvest. We need the straight, simple gospel. And while his life had proven that, I remember thinking, What do you do with a Noah generation who's been asked to build something for something they've never seen before? And I think a lot of times it's hard for the older generation or those who in the last move of God to see the new thing because they go, I've seen the fruit of what works. Problem with that is this, is when you're, Jesus said it, he said, those who drink the old wine are never excited to jump in and drink the new stuff. They never are. And I remember thinking there's a new thing happening right under our noses right now. And if you refuse to see it, you might not get to experience it when it's going full blast. And to that Mm. end, I just want to say that I think what we're seeing now, the model, if you will, that's coming into the earth, it is so simple that it offends. It's a stumbling block. And and and, it, and and the irony of it is, is Jesus is the cornerstone in Mount Zion that is the stumbling block to the religious. And the whole thing with Mount Zion is what? It's the place of his presence. It was the tabernacle of David. Mount Zion, it, it might as well be, uh, you know, synonymous with 24-7 worship. So isn't it interesting how foolishness, the foolishness of worship— of Mount Zion, of Tabernacle of David, of priesting before the Lord and hosting his presence, is actually becoming a model whereby to welcome people into the kingdom of God. And in all of that, it's like, wait, what are you doing at Bourbon Street? What's the secret? It's like, we just worship. And I had a spiritual father come into Bourbon Street and I said, hey, what do you think? He says, keep it simple, stupid. Just keep it simple, stupid. Just get up there and follow the Lord and do what you've always done. Don't let it get changed. I remember even Prosh telling me, man, he said, don't don't let this thing change from how it was birthed. Keep it simple. And I think revival and outpouring would be sustained so much more often when God gives us those visitations. They would turn into habitations if we would stay with the thing that got us there in the first place. And in this case, it's worship. So it's happening, bro. It's so it's, it's just happening. It's
0: amazing. Yeah,
1: it's awesome. And I feel
0: like with the season of 2020 and COVID and everybody getting locked down, I think in many ways uh, I'm seeing more outdoor Worship and prayer than I've ever seen on a grassroots level I mean we've mentioned a number of them I also thought about Jonathan Tremaine Thomas and civil righteousness are doing these things called hope rallies which just outdoor worship and prayer and it's every every ministry has its own flavor, but God's sending the church out really with the presence of God and it's amazing to see I, I mean the tabernacle of David that was part of it right is it was out in the open right the presence of God was accessible it was accessible. It was literally a, it was literally a tent. So so the presence of God was out there. I mean, and so that's what we're seeing. Acts 15, right? Restoring the tabernacle of David, that all mankind may seek the Lord. It's that presence of God that leads to the harvest, which we've been talking about for years, but we're seeing Don't it. you think that
1: we're pregnant with a worship movement 50 years old? I mean, if you go back mm. to the Jesus movement and you want to get really particular about this, worship every time. There's a new form or expression of worship. There's always a new glory that comes with it. And I would say if you go all the way back to the Protestant Reformation of the 1500s, any time worship, this is a deep thing, but I hope we can you, you get yeah. what I'm saying. I think anytime a new form of worship comes, a new glory comes. I mean, worship for 1500 years or the better part of that, Worship could only be done by the hierarchical class of the priesthood, which wasn't the real biblical priesthood, but you had to sing worship in Latin. If you didn't know Latin, you couldn't even worship. This is the John 4 dilemma of the woman going, I perceive you're a prophet, so I got one question for you. Is my worship to God valid? This is the question of a generation. Is my worship valid, or do I have to sound like this worship Artist, sound like this. Is my worship valid or is it only belonging to a hierarchical priestly class? I think when God brings a new form of worship, he does it outside of the confines of our structure. The Jesus people movement, we didn't have drums in church, we didn't have electric guitars, we didn't have songs that actually were cool. We had threes, we sang psalms and hymns off the, you know, I mean, and, and furthermore, some of the greatest hymns were bar tunes. I mean, Amazing Grace is a pub tune, bro. You, if you look at the history, <laughs> the words were, of course, not, you know, from the bar tune, but the tune itself was a yeah. bar tune. Many of the hymns were Welsh drinking songs. I mean, I, I think right. it's scandalous when God does a new thing. We're in that moment right now. We're not waiting on that moment. It's not, I'm not going to do the prophetic, it's coming. Listen, it's here right now it's here and that means a whole new form of an expression of worship is literally happening before our eyes and with it is going to come a whole new glory and i think god is taking it out in some ways out of the hands of this elitism super class of three churches in the world are determining 90 percent of the music in the church how is that right. even possible? God is taking this structure and it's not their fault. This isn't a course. It's, it's as a church as a whole, we've come to this place. No one's to blame. There's no finger pointing. It's just this is where right. we're at. Three churches determine how many people s- sing 90% of the songs we sing. But indigenous worship is exploding in the earth. It's going to happen outside of the church. There are people coming I'm telling you, I'm prophesying to you, there are literally worship leaders and young men and women you've never heard of who are about to shake everything. People are going to go, I have never heard anything like this. I remember when I got saved, I'm listening to CCM, bro, and I'm getting rocked. I'm listening to Michael W. Smith, OM-Dub himself. I'm listening to Like a Rose, (laughs) crucified, Bro, it's the lamest music I heard in my life before I got saved. I get saved, I'm weeping. But guess what? I heard Morningstar Prophetic Worship, Susie Yari, Dom Potter. you want to know what happened to me? I felt like I just fell into a stinking like black hole portal into another universe. <laughs> I'm like, CCM is awesome, but what is this? That's what's about yeah. to happen. I'm telling you there's going to be people that have no Instagram following. I'm serious. They're going to have a hundred followers and these people are going to play and they're going to embarrass us with the presence of God. They carry while we were out worrying about our followers and our worship records and getting a hit song and blah, blah, blah. There's going to be some kid, some young girl, young guy who's going to come out of nowhere out of a cave of Adullam and literally start worshiping. And we're going to go, Oh, I forgot that that's what real worship sounds like. And it is going to shake. And I can't, I can't wait, frankly, because it's It's already happening right now. And where they couldn't get to the big stages of Christendom, They'll go to the parks and they'll go to the highways and the wilderness byways and they'll sing and people will come despite them not having a Twitter following. It'll be a John the Baptist type thing and they'll come to hear this thing because it will carry more than a good song or a catchy chorus. It will be the sound of a whole new wine that God's pouring out to to get a harvest and the loss will come and the saved will come. And I think that's a big thing we've got mm-hmm. to focus on that this new thing God's pouring out. Listen, it's not just for the church. It's going to attract the hearts of the lost. He is going to call the remnant to seek his face. As I, Amos 9 says, this is tab of David stuff. And I think this is the next great push. What happens in worship and in the worship movement I believe, in the next five to 10 years is going to transform the next 50 years of the church.
0: Come on. Yeah, and I I just want to encourage people that are tuning in that are involved already in houses of prayer and burns and those kinds of things. I think this is, in some ways, it's a warning. It's an encouragement. Like, don't miss what God's doing because even, I mean, I was thinking about IHOP Kansas City. They're, they're celebrating this weekend as we record this here, 21 years of 24-7 worship and prayer. Like the, the day and night worship and prayer movement is getting some age to it. You know what I'm saying? And so it's easy, even those models of what we've experienced, not that they're going to go away necessarily, but I think it's easy to kind of get comfortable sitting in a prayer room, sitting in a church building, you know, in the places that we're used to, we enjoy God and we enjoy his presence. You know, we get to sit in the room and have a great time. And maybe we've learned how to do that and interact with God. And that's great. But we don't want to miss this moment to become the answers to these prayers we've been praying for, for many of us, years and decades for revival and a harvest and an awakening and all these things. And it's as simple as just stepping out the door and continuing to do what we've been doing and releasing the song we've been releasing in secret. And now, uh, God starts showing up in streets and in bars and under tents and in parks. And uh, and he's doing it. I'm seeing it all over the place. I mean, I've been tracking with the Awaken the Dawns tent gatherings this year. And there's, I mean, I'm seeing it on beaches and in parks and in public places. And a lot of these, you know, a lot of prayer rooms are moving outside to talk to the guy that does the Seattle House of Prayer. They're meeting in a park right now because they They've got to spread out, you know, because they don't want to get too close and there's restrictions. So, but they can meet in a park and bring an acoustic guitar, and that's what they're doing. So, like, there's literally houses of prayer now that are in parks <laughs> doing their worship and prayer. And, uh, and and God's doing this. And I just don't want any of us to miss it. I want us to just engage and just say, Lord, how how do we need to uh,
1: respond? How do we need to jump on what you're doing? Absolutely, man. I agree with you yeah. 100%. So good. I think it's both and too. I think it's. I think people will do both. I don't think we leave Amen. totally. I think we still need the consistency of, you know, really stewarding and hosting the flame of the Lord in in a place yeah. that doesn't negate that. I think we build from Definitely. that, right? I think we we, right. we 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 don't graduate, but we just continue to build because really, what is God doing? This is a full scale takeover, man. This feels like a full-scale <laughs> accidental takeover. And so, you know, I, I, I'm with you. I think God is getting people yeah. out. And, and it could be any 16-year-old kid that just says, let's take our instruments, go to the street. And if you guys haven't, I want to encourage you, this would be a good time to read the Sons of Thunder prophecy. The Sons of Thunder yeah. prophecy was given by a man named James Ryle, founder of Promise Keepers. So many people have a reference point, but this guy had a, a prophetic dream that, and of course, you know, knowing Lou Engle for many years, and, and we've talked about this many times, but the Sons of Thunder prophecy, you guys need to look this up because it's happening right in front of our eyes. So... It's exciting.
0: Yeah, it's exciting. We'll be sure to link to that in the show notes so people can find a find a link and click through and read that. That's amazing. Well, look, Chris, anything else, man, that you'd want to share as we get, get ready to wrap this up? Anything else you want to say to the presence pioneers who are tuning in to the Worship and Prayer Movement?
1: Yeah, man, let me just say this. I... I want to encourage everyone towards, obviously, we've been talking about going outside. We've been talking about all these things, taking your worship. But let's just remember this, that if we're not singing to Him in secret, man, it really, it's it's for nothing. We, we, we There's nothing as um, sometimes what sounds really romantic and sexy, if you will, when you're preaching about something like, oh, that sounds so great. Let's do it. When you actually go do it, it's not always that way. It doesn't always feel that way. I promise you. Like when you go out, you know, I know like when it it looks amazing seeing thousands of people gather at some of these gatherings. I mean, you know, of course, I'm talking about people falling out of the windows, not literally, but literally in this bar room, people are just like packed in. And sometimes we, we fall into the error of quantity over quality And I just want to encourage you guys this, that not everything is as it seems. Unfortunately, social media in some ways has perpetuated the idea that um, when things look a certain way, that must mean that, that God is behind it or God validates it because there's many coming. I think what we have to remember is that if God is lighting your heart Remember that you must be a priest in secret and in your home before anything else. But number two, remember that these things don't always look awesome when you start. And, you know, I just I just want to say, like, I want to speak to that just real quick, because I want to encourage yeah. you, never in the scriptures does anything worthwhile that lasts ever start with many. And if it did start with many, God made sure to trim it down to just a few. There's something about us being faithful when we have little and, and, and just knowing we're called to do it and not looking at the numbers. Because if God calls you to go to your town square, I used to go literally, I'm talking 2008, 2009, and 10. I used to go to the streets where the, the sex trafficking was, prostitution was, drugs. I would sit on, after being in the prayer room, by the way, we would go and sit on my guitar case and worship Jesus in the streets because I just believed that my worship had authority and power to transform geographical regions that I was in. I'd set up a throne in that place, and I have testimonies for days on that. But my point is that it didn't always look It didn't always look Instagram worthy, man. And you need to ask yourself this question. Young people and all these people that are feeling fired up about it, you need to ask, do you want to be a flowering tree or do you want to be a fruitful tree? The flowering tree is a type of plant that doesn't produce fruit, but it looks really pretty. The other type is messy at times, but it actually produces real fruit that people can eat and enjoy. And so often in our social media age, I think we have been duped into the lie that if we can look good and put on the appearance that things are happening, it makes us feel better when in reality, we have to exaggerate what's actually happening so it looks good for social. And I just want to set people free. If you have to gather with two or three people, if you have to be by yourself, I can't tell you how many empty prayer rooms I've set in. I mean, the opening of one of our prayer rooms that I'll never forget— the only person that came was my best friend, and he even got so <laughs> bored during my set that he left the room and went and made coffee in the room next to me while I sat in an empty prayer room. And I'm thinking, are you freaking kidding me right now? So guys, there's going to be times you're going to sit w- with no one else around and just do what the Lord's put on your heart to do. But if you'll trust him there, I promise you the increase will come. Longevity is the key here. We want to sustain Jesus in our cities. Let's not give in to, well, this isn't really, there's no pictures I can show anybody. There's no this, there's no that. Let's just go for it and let God be God, you know?
0: Come on. Amen. That's so good. And speaking of just staying rooted in the secret place, you have an online course I know about that topic, about the secret place. You want to just maybe share some of the resources you have available and maybe ways people can connect with you more?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I am um, incredibly inconsistent at social media. If you want to follow someone consistent, you need to follow Matthew Lilly. He is awesome (laughs) at this stuff. I am. I have a love hate relationship with it, but you can follow me on social media, and I might poke in from time to time. <laughs> I do have a <laughs> secret place e course. It's super cheap. I think it's twenty five bucks now. It's eight hours long. You can take wow. the course at your own strength. You know your own. However much you want to dive in or, or not dive in, and um, yeah. man, I just want to say, like, oh, you can also read if you fall if you're a presence pioneer. You really know, you, you need the should book. read probably Pioneers of His Presence. Um, it's a great book. I, I think I might have stole this from Matthew and wrote the book, hurried up and wrote the book and put it out before, um, so I could try to get the Presence Pioneers thing. But no, seriously, um, read the book. Actually, if you take the e-course, you get the book for free. But all uh. that to say, come to Bourbon Street. man. if you guys are listening and you— There's nothing like being there, period. That's just it. There's just nothing like experiencing Mm. it. It's not a good meeting. It's not even a great meeting. It's the outpouring of the the true, raw glory of Jesus. You've never experienced anything like it. I promise you we're going to be gathering end of September last weekend. We're going to be gathering Halloween weekend. If you want to come during Voodoo Festival in New Orleans, it's a really— awesome time. Don't bring your kids, but come Halloween weekend, October 31st. That's another great time to come to Bourbon Street Revival. And of course, if you follow us on social, you can find out when we are gathering. So yeah, that's about it, man. Thank you.
0: We'll link to all that stuff and make sure everybody, everyone go listen to all Chris's music, read all his stuff. It's awesome. Chris, thanks so much, man. This has been amazing. Thank you, man. Love what you're doing. Bless you, bro. Bless you. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a share on social media and share it with your friends, with your community, people you think that this would be encouraging and helpful to them. That would be great. If you're on YouTube, give us a little thumbs up. If you're on Apple, please give us a rating and a review. That just helps all the algorithms so these messages get out to more people. And again, thanks for tuning in today. Don't forget that God's presence changes everything.